every human being, from the moment they're conceived in their mother's womb, has a purpose. When, uh, when the Creator created them, He assigned them a purpose, a reason for their life. Sadly, for most people, that never comes about. Or an ex sort of some perverted expression of it maybe comes about because they don't come to know the real Jesus. They don't fall in love with him. They don't follow him. They don't obey him. And so this calling or this gifting that he gave them in their mother's womb, it just either never occurs or it comes out sort of in their life sort of sideways. I think of rock and roll stars as an example. In my day, like the Beatles, you know, they certainly had, if I can say it this way, sort of an, an anointing that impacted people. I mean, the crowds of people and how kind of wild and crazy they were. They were having an impact, an influence, but not for Jesus. So here's this, if I can say it this way, like a calling, a purpose to lead worship, but they caused people to worship the God of this world, not the living God. So that's an example. So Jesus, of course, had uh, a calling and a purpose, and he announces it pretty early on in his ministry. It's recorded in Luke chapter 4. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. Yeah, I'll bet all the miracles he was doing. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him or liked him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. In other words, he didn't ask for the, the specific scroll of Isaiah. It was handed to him. It was just sort of his turn to do some reading, and someone in the synagogue who was in charge of the scriptures handed it to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He did leave out the phrase, and the day of the Lord's vengeance. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now that just blew them away, because he was saying, I'm this person that the scripture is now talking about. This is me. Now, uh, I want to give some examples, certainly like from the apostles. I'm going to use the apostles. Um, not that I'm trying to equate myself to them, but I just want you to see that these, these men understood they had a calling, they had an assignment. So, for example, Paul says in Romans uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, Paul, servant of Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures regarding his son who, as to his human nature, was a descendant of David, 
and who the spirit of holiness was declared with the power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, that is, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and for his namesake we receive grace and apostleship to call people from among the Gentiles to, to the obedience that comes, from, comes with faith. In First and Second Corinthians, one one, Ephesians one one, Colossians one one. Paul says this. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus by the will of God. In Galatians one one, Paul, an apostle sent not from men nor by men, but by Jesus and the God and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. 1 Timothy 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus, by the command of God, our Savior, and of Jesus, our hope. 2 Timothy 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Jesus. And even Titus 1.1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus. Clearly, Paul understood, I have an assignment. John the Baptist. Um, in Matthew 3, the first three verses, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, quote, A voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. That was his assignment. Even Peter, 1 Peter 1, 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus, to God's elect and strangers in the world. 2 Peter 1, 1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus. Well, I have a calling too. And, uh, and the, this calling and this purpose comes with some scripture. Again, I'm not equating myself to the apostles. That's, that was a very different calling them what mine is and my purpose, my assignment, if you will. My assignment is very similar to that of John the Baptist's. I'm one of thousands of forerunners that the Lord has been raising up for some time now, as we are rapidly approaching the time of his return. When he came the first time, he only needed one forerunner, and that was John the Baptist. But, this, but when he came the first time, he came to a very small piece of earth, a very small area. This time he's coming to the entire world. That requires a lot more forerunners, thousands of us all over the world, calling people to repent, prepare for his coming. So for me, this process began in 1985. And uh, one morning I was spending some time with the Lord and um, I felt him draw me to Zechariah, which at that time was not like one of the passages or one of the writings that I would commonly uh, or tend to go to. But I was drawn to Zechariah chapter 8, beginning in verse 20. This is what the Lord Almighty says. And I've said this before, but just to remind you, in the English translation of the Bible, wherever you see a capital L-O-R-D, that's the translator's way of letting you know that in the Hebrew manuscript, it's the name Yahweh. So I could read this, 
This is what Yahweh Almighty says. Many peoples and the inhabitants of many cities will yet come, and the inhabitants of one city will go to another and say, Let us go at once to entreat Yahweh and to seek Yahweh Almighty. I myself am going. And many peoples and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to seek Yahweh Almighty and to entreat him. So this is what Yahweh Almighty says. In those days, ten people from all languages and nations will take a firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, Let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. Now, I was still a pretty young Christian at that time, and yet the Lord was already beginning to develop this in me and actually have that kind of impact on others, drawing those who are truly hungry, really want to know the real Jesus. He just would use me that way, but very sort of immature at that time. That was still pretty early on. Five years later, in 1990, a second passage was actually prophesied to me by someone who didn't really know me, but they felt drawn and they came to me and they gave me this passage and said they felt like this was from the Lord. This is from Isaiah chapter 62, beginning in verse 10. Pass through, pass through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, remove the stones. Raise a banner for the nations. By the way, that banner is Jesus himself. Yahweh has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. And this is the proclamation he's made. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your Savior comes. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. They will be called, this daughter, this bride, will be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. You, the bride, will be called, sought after, as opposed to right now where apostolic Christianity is really rejected and mocked, especially in this country. But there'll come a day when the church will be called sought after. The city no longer deserted. That was profound. And still is to this day because so much of what's going on in this country, I would not call apostolic Christianity. Church after church after church after church, there's just thousands of them, thousands of leaders that are doing nothing more than what I would call churchianity. They're not doing apostolic Christianity. The presence of Jesus is not in that place. It's just a light show, it's just a a production. Turn up the sound system and turn on the lights and the videos and the and the PowerPoint and all that and make it look really cool. But that's not the same thing as life. Deal Moody said, you don't have to advertise a fire. A fire is its own advertisement. And boy, do I know that to be true. And so um, sometime after that, Um, some of the people around me um, that thought they knew me didn't particularly care for the things that the Lord was building into my life, which is the way it was with John the Baptist. John did not have a big following. Uh, He was 
rejected profoundly in many ways, uh, especially when he called people to be baptized, because that is not what Jews do. You don't baptize a Jew. You baptize a, a non-Jew. So uh, it was very offensive. His message was very offensive to people. And then even when they asked him, you know, well, what do we, the, the few who said, well, what do we do to prepare? If you look at what he says, every one of his suggestions has to do with money, which I find very ironic, especially in this country. And so I had a dream one night in the midst of this sort of, uh, I guess, kind of an attack on my personality, on who I am. And I don't mean sin. Sin is a whole different issue, but just the person that Jesus was making me into. I call it the sandwich dream because in this dream, Jesus comes walking up to me and as he's approaching me, he's got a big smile on his face. I mean, his eyes and his mouth, I mean, he is just lit up with a smile and he gets very, very close to me, leans in close to my face and says to me, Gary, you are such a sandwich. And then he backs up. And in the dream, I'm like, what? I, I, I'm, I was confused. Well, he sees that I'm confused in the dream. And so he leans in again, very close to my face. He says, Gary, you are such a sandwich. And then he backs up again. So now I'm, I'm standing there. I'm, I'm confused. And I think, well, Maybe this is some sort of game. So in the dream, I say to him, well, uh, Lord, you're a hamburger? <laughs> you're like, like this is some kind of food game of some sort. And uh, he shakes his head. He kind of laughs, chuckles a little bit, leans in again. He says, Gary, what's your favorite thing to eat? Well, that's not hard. My very favorite food of all time is a sandwich. I love sandwiches, different kinds of breads and meats, not ham. I'm Jewish. I don't like ham. <laughs> and uh, uh, different you know, vegetables and sauces. And oh, boy, give me a sandwich and I am happy. In fact, I think I actually prefer a sandwich over a steak as much as I like steak. But a sandwich, it's healthy. It's good. It's filling. I love sandwiches, even simple sandwiches, peanut butter and jelly. Give me a sandwich and I'm good. So in the dream, I say to him, well, a sandwich. He says, Gary, you're my sandwich. I've built you and put you together the way I like to take you in. And at that, the dream ended. I sat up in my bed. I was just full of emotion. Jesus likes me. <laughs> I don't care what my detractors will say. Don't care. Jesus likes me. Well, then some more time went by, and once again in May, which tends to be an unusual month for me through my life, in May of 2005, um, I had an encounter with the Lord in which he made it clear to me that he was calling or assigning me the, the assignment of a forerunner. Now, prior to that, I had had a lot of confusion. You know, I was a pastor, and I did pastoral ministry. I did teaching and preaching. And in fact, I, I felt like a jack of all trades, master of none. You know, I, I, it's like I didn't really know what I'm supposed to do ultimately. 
But in 2005, when it came to me, all of a sudden, so many things began to fit. Things that have happened to me and uh, experiences I'd gone through. I began to realize this is who I am. My calling, my assignment is prepare people for his return, which is coming soon. And I do mean soon. I don't have a day and an hour because Jesus said no one knows that. But Jesus gave us a time frame, a time frame, which he's done multiple times in the Bible, actually. And in another episode, I'll show you that. Now, this was another thing that it really didn't want to do. I mean, it made sense to me, but it's like, oh, man, I don't want to do this. I, I, because I knew right away that you know, forerunners are not exactly uh, loved and sought after. They're, uh, people don't want to be told things, certain things that, uh, you know, upset them. And so, uh, even though it's the truth. So it's just another one of those things where it's like, oh, Lord, couldn't I just kind of preach about wonderful stuff that people like? No, I have a message and I'll be putting it into you, which he did in 2015. There were 12 things, specific 12 things that are part of removing the stones from the highway that people are tripping over. And so again, in subsequent episodes, I'll be talking about those 12 things.
nada 